Rony Zone Media and Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now on with the show. Hello. Hello. We've already said our names, so I'm not going to say them again. <laughs> we are still those names. I was going to say, because we haven't changed those names in the no, last we what, have not. 10, 15 seconds, maybe? Yes. And we just got through watching one of my favorite classic animated features from Disney, mm-hmm. Pinocchio. Nice. 1940. Uh-huh. And quickly, I just want to say that this is podcast episode 235, so you can get to the show notes at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 235. I'll go ahead and begin oh, please if do. you want to kind of... Please do. This is one of your favorites, so go right ahead. I, lo- I love this movie. I'm going to be honest and say it's not one of my favorites. Well, I enjoy it, but it's not one of my favorites. Part of the fun of this is I'm watching some of your favorites, which I yes. really wouldn't consider, and vice versa. So this is this yeah. is nice. Yeah, it is. Well, the first thing I was hit with was the classic Disney song, mm-hmm. When You Wish Upon a Star. Yeah. Really the pivotal song. When you wish upon a star. Also, the music. I mentioned that we've heard classic Disney music in Peter Pan, let's say, in the opening and a lot of the choral arrangements and that kind of a thing. Yeah. We hear that again yeah. in Pinocchio. Right. And by the way, that song did win an Oscar for Best yes. Song. And it, it, still, it still makes me misty when I, when I hear it. Oh, yeah. So we... I think about it and I get start getting misty and I have to stop thinking about it. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. And one of the cruxes of that song is that anyone can wish upon a star. Anybody. Right, right. And in, even in these days, we live in this society where certain people are special or rich or something. And we often want to be like those people. But this song is saying you can be anybody. And wish upon a star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's just a great thought. We saw another opening of the movie with another book. Yes. But it was a different opening. Mm-hmm. Yes. The narrator was actually a character in the film. So it was being told from 
his perspective. Whereas in you know the past, we've had the narrator who's not even a character in the in the story at all, right. other than just to narrate the story. <clears throat> there were two fly downs. I call them fly downs okay. when the camera was way up and zooming in or uh, tracking into okay. the window and the opening. And the first fly down I call was very dark. It was just it was because it was at night and mm-hmm. Jiminy Cricket's telling this story, and it really wasn't the most incredible fly down. We'll talk about another one uh, in later on in the film. Okay. But this story begins in the book when it's open. Poor Jiminy can't get the book open. It's kind of funny. He's <laughs> well, having he trouble open. with it. He can get it open. He just can't get the first page to stay open, which I thought was ingenious of him to use the candlestick to prop mm. it open. And I love, too, that a lot of these cartoons, and I'm not saying just Disney, but I'm saying these cartoons deal with certain things where things don't work right. And you have to be a genius to complete a task. Right. In this case, it's a cricket. <laughs> and it's just, it's interesting using little things that you wouldn't consider. And this is very inventive. We, we talked a lot about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and the, the dwarves and the little fun little gags and, and things that they put in there. Mm-hmm. This had a lot. This had a lot of really fun little twists and things that they added in the background. You have to kind of look around, but there's a lot of little things going on. So There were, actually. And I was going to say, you know, we love the visual beauty of Snow White, and this was very similar because this was the movie that was made right after Snow White. Mm -hmm. It was the second release. It was supposed to be originally the third. Don't know if you know that part. Um, Bambi was supposed to come beforehand, but Bambi got pushed because of some constraints that they had, and so they moved forward with Pinocchio. And um, so visually speaking, and it has a lot of similarities to Snow White, in my opinion. Back, background and the, the rich watercolor mm-hmm. you know, background and realistic life-like feel to it. I even <clears throat> think, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead to the style of the water, but I just want to get this out. And we're talking about the mm-hmm. animation and art, is that the water looked to me like a very Asian-inspired painting. I've seen a lot of Asian paintings in water on top of the blue, and it had that kind of feel to me. So yeah. it was very, it was an incredible work of art. And you can tell they worked out a lot of issues with Snow White. And so they're firing on all cylinders with this one. Right. Well, I think they really paid a lot of attention to the water this time, that the water was such a key piece of the story. It was, in a sense, almost a character in and of itself, <clears throat> especially with the with Monstro. But even underwater, did you notice how the underwater scenes really felt like you were underwater? It had that, you know, slightly blurry, come back into focus kind of a thing. Well, even the fun little scene when you were looking through Cleo's bowl right, right. to... Pinocchio walking towards Cleo. Right. Just the fun little way that it really con, uh, contorted his face and body and, and all that. It was like a, a Hall of Mirrors. but Fun it House was, Mirrors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah. It was very well done. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just, it was very technically speaking, they, they just leaps and bounds advanced. But I mean, you figure this is what, three years later. Right. So they have three years to practice and to kind of get better and to, you know, fine tune the craft. And they clearly did. 
Yes, indeed. <clears throat> and Geppetto is one of those characters that was so good. He was the good anchor of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that he cared about everything he made. And every little clock, he would talk to the clocks like they really existed yeah. and professor music and all these different things. Even when he was making Pinocchio, he cared. And it really, and when he was talking to it, it was almost like he created a world mm-hmm. in his own little house. <clears throat> Of all these creatures and all these clocks and all these things. He talked to the animals and, and mm-hmm. all that. But I really, he cared. And that's what really sat with me. Even when he was drawing the mouth, he really took a moment and looked. And he, it was important to him, mm-hmm. the, the craftsmanship of it. So it was just really amazing to watch that. I've always loved that particular aspect of this movie is the toy shop, mm-hmm. Geppetto's toy shop. It's incredible. I mean, the toys in there, I always wanted to play with them when I was little. Yep. That was what I wished I had, was, you know, toys that did things like that. And it, you're right, it's old world craftsmanship, but he took extra pride. I mean, even as Jiminy's telling the story, he's walking down the street and there's no one around. It's not even nine o'clock. Right. And people are already, like, done for the day or there's no sign of life. Nobody's out. Nobody's... It, it really felt like Geppetto was in a world of his own. Mm-hmm. And his toy shop was his world. He had his cat and his fish and his toys. And he was very good at it. And he he invented this little place where he could, you know, be happy. And he was happy. Yeah. But he was also lonely and a little sad. And you can tell that because he did treat them as if they were... You know, human beings, so to speak. Yes. And I, we can talk forever about the clocks. Yeah. But you pointed out something that I thought was interesting is the clocks were very violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They showed guys that were drunk and they showed uh, a mother spanking a child. Pretty severely. These weren't Trying to chop a head off of a turkey. I mean... Cleverly, shooting at a right, shooting well, at a bird in a tree. Well, um, it was the 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 shooting was a cork. It was a cork gun, right? But, but, but the point yeah, is, is that yeah. the the act that was in there was pretty violent. Yeah, I mean, it's I, and the irony. Are you ready for this? Back in the forties, that would have been probably not perceived as very violent. Actually, it would have been very natural because that's how you again, ate. that's how you got food. Hunted, that's how, mm, exactly yeah. and. And spanking your children was very much a necessity when the child was misbehaving. And that was a very common thing. So these were not, today's standards, they'd be considered violent. But back then, I don't think that would have been considered violent at all. In fact, it would have been a very uh, realistic depiction of what's going on in real life in in that era. So the fathers would lean down the sons. See, if you if you keep acting up, that's what's going to happen. Look at the screen. Pinocchio's trying to tell you. Well, and let's get a spanking. Let's kind of step there now, since you brought that up. Is that the major theme of this? Is it was a morality play. This is how not to behave. Right. It was how to raise your kids. Don't tell them not to drink, not to smoke, because what's going to happen? They will make jackasses of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the whole theme of it was. So. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was a good little lesson. The irony is, and here's another little tidbit for you, Pinocchio didn't do really well in the box office in 1940, 
but it did much better in 1945 when it was re-released. I think if you track most of the animated features, you're going to find that to be true. Actually, the- no. Snow White did really well right okay. at the top. All right. So that's why I think this was a surprise for them is that this didn't do as well in the initial release, but it did much better when they re-released it five years after it was uh, originally released. And they did that for all of them. And that was a, it was a good idea because... More children were being born. Sure, and sure. Whole new the, generations. Yes, and the parents wanted to take them to the theater mm-hmm. to see it on the big screen, and it was an event. You theaters couldn't see it any then, other way. True. And, and theaters <laughs> back then, it was a big deal. People oh, dressed yeah. up, and it was a night on the town, if you will. Right, so, right. Yeah. It was a big deal. All right. The Figaro cat mm-hmm. reminded me yeah. of Tinkerbell. Yeah. Very jealous. Of anyone new, including a wooden boy. Yes. So very sassy yes. and uh, full of personality. Very cute. And Geppetto. Mm-hmm. Let me say this first, and then we'll jump back in. We watched the DVD, and I don't know which one, platinum, whatever it was, right. but it had a no smoking ad right before <laughs> we watched the movie. Yeah. And I had forgotten that there was so much smoking in the film and had Lampwick teaching Pinocchio much later how to smoke and how to inhale, take a hit, you know, and smoking cigars and all this. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, sadly with the death of Walt and Howe and all that, they really wanted to say before you watch this movie, don't smoke. And if you do smoke, quit. Right. 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 But uh, Geppetto was smoking in bed. Yeah. But he now, didn't, he didn't fall asleep. No, but no, I mean, no, no. Still, and he put like, the pipe wow. away before he actually yeah. was... Go- it was just a couple of quick little hits before bed. And again, I'm sure that is very common for that era. And um, maybe even... It, the whole thing is set in Italy. It's in Tuscany. Right. And so um, that I don't know whether that's a common thing back in the day, but I know in Europe, very different, you know, behavior than we have here in America. That was a pipe, but still. It it was was, a pipe, but bottom line is he took a couple little hits and then he hung it up on the bedpost. If people just listen to just what we're talking about. I know. know. Anyway, listen to the whole, whole podcast. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So Geppetto had a wish Mm -hmm. when he was just about falling asleep. He said, I wish... Pinocchio could be a real boy. Right. He was just kind of mentioning it. You know what I wished? I wish that. Yeah, it wasn't like he was fervently, you no. know, pleading for that to happen. It was just he, I think, whimsically said, oh, look, it's the wishing star, you know. He, which I, okay, backtrack a tiny little bit. He saw the wishing star because he looked out the window after he convinced the cat, who was across the room, to get up and open the window for him. Right. Which I and think was hilarious. I, what I was referring to is there was an initial mention when yeah, yeah. they were just kind of, he was getting ready to go to sleep, and he, yeah, this is what I wish. But you're right, he said, open the window. I forgot. And then the cat went up and opened the window. Then he saw the wishing star. Yeah. Then that was the official... Wish, wish. wish. Right. Right. And... um when he did that, Jiminy Cricket, now Jiminy Cricket had not been brought into this as the official consciences yet. And so he said, what a lovely thought, but not practical. Right. This wish you're doing is, eh, 
it's not practical. And even Jiminy Cricket at the beginning mentioned, if any, basically, if you would have told me I would believe in wishes before, I would have said you're crazy. But you have to listen to my story, why I believe right, now. Right. And so it was just morality tale but also this tale of change any good dramatic story deals with somebody changing and we'll talk about some big changes that pinocchio had i forgot about the last half of the movie but yeah we'll talk about that so he wished geppetto did Mm -hmm. and then jiminy made that comment and then they went to sleep Mm -hmm. and jiminy got upset with the clocks yeah now before I used the fan to go to sleep to hear the white noise, yeah, I can understand Jiminy's, but he's in a a room full of clocks. Right, clocks are noisy, especially ones that actually tick. If you're if you're quiet in our front room, I can hear the clock ticking and moving. And yeah. then I, I'm thinking, if there was a room full of that, oh yeah, and yeah. I was trying to sleep, yeah, I'd be like Jiminy Cricket too. Yeah, I, yeah. He he got very unhappy, and it wasn't just the clocks; it was all the noise. Yeah, right. Because then he started hearing Geppetto snoring, yes, and then mm-hmm. he started hearing Cleo bubbling in her bowl, and he was frustrated to the point where he yelled, "Stop!" Yep. and everything stopped. I'm like, "Wow, that is a magical toy shop where a cricket right. that you that make that is ironically one of the noisiest critters." In the bug world? That's funny, yeah. yep. Is yelling for everybody else to be quiet? That's pretty funny. And all those clocks are now off. Yeah. Because <laughs> they've stopped. Because he yelled stop. Right. right. Which, again, gives animation or life to the, you know, uh, the inanimate objects that mm-hmm. Geppetto had. It was, again, very magical. He had kind of given them characters and personality. So it seems that they actually heard and they stopped. And even Geppetto stopped snoring and that didn't wake him up. And I think that's hilarious. Um, and speaking of uh, Jiminy again, Jiminy's in rags. Jiminy yes, is kind of a right. hobo. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking for a warm place to sleep. Kind of funny, you know, then he gets all spiffied up later. But yep. it was kind of an interesting start to the whole story. And what it kind of a tiny bit reminded me of was the beginning of The Jerk. Or the, actually the ending of The Jerk. Well, mm, right. technically the beginning where he's telling his story. He's in hobo rags, and then, you know, if you've seen the movie The Jerk, which is really funny. But anyway, that kind of reminded me of that a little bit, because he was, he was quite the little hobo there. Now, I do, I do want to say this. There's probably little parts here and there. And I know that we have a, a mixed audience that listens to our podcast, and I'm really glad about that. But depending on the lenses that you put on and you watch this movie, if you have religious or Christian lenses or something like that, you can watch this movie, and there are certain things that really just stand out to you. For instance, they mentioned Straight Narrow Path and Conscience Be Your Guide and Tell the Truth and all these things. These resonate, but that you don't have to have those lenses on. You can watch this as a straight morality tale, be good, don't drink, don't smoke, and you won't make a jackass of yourself. So I, I just really wanted to point that out, and belly of the whale and there's all these different things that really kind of resonate based on how you're looking at it but you mm-hmm. can look at it as a straight animated feature and really it's a great it's a huge story it's a bigger story than i really thought 
it was. Mm. You know, like all the places they went and everything. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep going. So the number one wish was granted, but not completely. The blue fairy appeared and said, "I'm going to give you life, Pinocchio." Not to make him a real boy. So mm-hmm. this was like a progressive, you may call it a miracle, which miracle was referred to later on sure. in the animated feature. But the first wish granted was just life, which he was still wooden, but he was alive. Right. So, right. And he had to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things. Then he would be a real boy. Now... Based on a dramatic arc, he had to not be those things first. Sure. And that leads to where we're going at the first part of the film. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. Because it just doesn't happen naturally. It has to be taught. Those things need to be taught. So it was interesting. Jiminy Cricket was negotiating with the Blue Fairy. I don't remember the specifics of it, but he was kind of like, no, wait a minute. It, It was just... It was very interesting how he like was kind of the lawyer as well as the conscience <laughs> yeah. to kind of explain what was going on. Yeah. I love the give a little whistle segment. So we'll play a bit right now. a boy, Pinocchio, and I'm going to help you. And anytime you need me, you know, just whistle like this. Like this? <laughs> No, no. Try it again, Pinocchio. Like this? No, son. Now listen. That's it. Come on now. Let's sing it. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. When you meet temptation and the urge is very strong, give a little whistle. I love the little scene with the whistle trapped in the hat. Uh Uh-huh. And like an echo in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it was just kind of setting up the whole thing. Because he was explaining, he goes, well, there's temptations in the world, Pinocchio, that seem right, but they're wrong. You have to be careful and, and all this. And then if you get in trouble, give a little whistle, call. Mm-hmm. I'll come for you and help you. And it was just one of those really great moments that was trying to warn Pinocchio mm-hmm. specifically about what was going to happen. And he just didn't listen. But sometimes we don't listen when we're warned. Yeah. It's not, uh, isn't well. that funny how that works? Yeah, that's true. But, again, that's how you learn life's lessons sometimes. It's a lot easier to listen the first time, but sometimes you just have to go through stuff to finally get it through your head. I kind of want to talk about this as, you know, you can talk about wishing and and asking for things and, and that kind of a thing. But Geppetto actually got his wish. He He wanted... He did. He wanted Pinocchio to be alive. Yeah. And he started talking, and Geppetto was, like, shocked and surprised. And it was so funny because he was having to come to grips with a live wooden boy. Sure. With no strings. And it was just funny. You would think if he 
wished strong enough that he would kind of expect it. Yeah. But it happened, and he was like shocked and surprised. He thought a burglar or somebody was in the house. <laughs> he did. And he got a gun and yeah. shot out one of the shelves yeah. in the house. Yeah. A blunderbuss, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I was, I was kind of surprised because somebody that would kneel in the bed, look like praying, wish sure. to a blue fairy yeah. for something. Yeah. You would expect it, but when it happened, he was surprised. Well, sure. I mean, it, Because it, if you think about it, it does seem like a nice little children's fantasy and a tale that you tell kids. Wish upon a star and your dreams will come true. Hmm. And Geppetto, after hearing and, and being faced with the idea that Pinocchio now was speaking mm-hmm. and alive, he thought he was still asleep. Mm. He thought he was dreaming, so yeah. he poured water on his head trying to wake himself <laughs> up. So, I mean, this was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, it's slightly supernatural when you think about sure, it. Sure, sure. It's magical. But, it, again, it's one of those things where... People may do things out of rote and wishing and all this kind of stuff, but it came true. And maybe he, in the back of his mind, kind of said, well, I hope a whole lot, but it's probably not going to happen. But it did. You know, so I love the little matchbox bed that Geppetto was, or I'm sorry, that uh, Jiminy Cricket was Mm -hmm. sleeping in. That was just, there's so many little cool moments, all the little clocks and, oh my gosh. Yeah, well, what cracked me up was the kitty cat sleeping in his bed. And then once he opened up the window, he crawled down into the bed with Geppetto and they both kind of tucked themselves in there and it was very cute. And even Cleo. Yeah. I absolutely loved Cleo as a child. I just thought she was the prettiest little fish. She had the prettiest little face. She was very graceful when she swam through the water. I named one of my goldfish, Cleo, when I was in my early 20s. I got mm-hmm. a goldfish, and I named her Cleo. She was a fancy goldfish, and she looked just like her, and it was just it was the coolest fish. Well, it was a great name, too, and I know she used her fins and her tail to kind of be a uh, a cover of her face, and it was just, it was very Cleopatra-ish. Yeah, she so, was very, yeah. she very used a lot of stuff to communicate quite a bit. So, So once Geppetto really realized that Pinocchio was actually living. The first thing he did was, "You got to go to school. <laughs> yeah, you have got to go to school." And because I was thinking the difference about something like ET, mm-hmm. and once the kids realized they had a extraterrestrial in their home, right. they hid. Well, ET. yeah, they kept him away in the closet no one can know nobody can know it's their secret but in this case no let's send him to school right so uh, it was different well it's not exactly what you would expect him to do right because again it's a talking puppet Mm -hmm. that's gonna raise some eyebrows you would think and especially considering it seems like he's kind of cloistered himself away from the rest of the world right Although he makes these toys, and I'm sure lots of children in the village probably, you know, enjoyed those toys. So you'd think that he'd want to be extra specially careful with, you know, this live talking puppet. Right. But no, we're going to send him to school. Yeah, let's send him to school. Instead of walking him to school for his first day of school, just there you go. Go on. Go on your merry little way, little boy. Really fast before we we talk about 
another great song is that the second fly down right after right when we're talking about down the birds are flying by uh-huh. and you see this really great force perspective flying in through the building into the window mm-hmm. that was gorgeous absolutely and th- that's the one where they use in all the commercials yeah because the yeah. first one just very dark and just yeah. it, it was different but then we get to meet honest john and gideon yes honest john worthington fowl fellow that's yes. his full name and they they sing a... M- and Gideon the Cat is mute. Yes. Here's a little fun tidbit for you. He was originally supposed to have a voice. And, in fact, guess who was supposed to be his... Who did his voice? Very famous voice cartoon actor. Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. Wow. He did voice work for him. And they opted to make him mute instead, kind of like Harpo Marks. Mm-hmm. And so all of the dialogue um, that was supposed to be for Mel Blanc was removed. And um, the only thing that he did actually do were hiccups. So any, mm, the, the mm. hiccups that Gideon does are Mel yeah. Blanc's hiccups. Wow. They reminded me a lot of a, an evil Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, exactly. what, that's what they reminded me exactly. of. Exactly. Although Gideon was kind of one of those characters you looked at him and he wasn't quite all there right he was kind of dopey yeah but an an evil dopey right so let's let's listen to just a bit okay hey i can see your name in lights lights six feet high uh what is your name pinocchio pinocchio p i n you owe the P.I. We're wasting precious time. Come on to the theater. Hi, diddly dee. An actor's life for me. A high silk hat and a silver cane. A watch of gold with a diamond chain. Hi, diddly day. An actor's life is gay. It's great to be a celebrity. An actor's life for me. So on his way to school, he meets up with these two fine fox and cat right, right who start singing this song about being a being in the theater yes. being an actor yes and lead him away from going to school which probably was yet another morality play mm. oh don't get caught up in the fame and fortune of hollywood and yet that's where <laughs> this was anyway it's kind of yeah <laughs> And I mean, I, that may not have been the only thing they're trying to say is, you know, don't get caught up in the whole, you know, glitz and glamour of this. But it also could have been in, you know, any number of other things. Because, right. again, it was a whole point of how to raise your children, if you think about it. And the one of the interesting things is there was a scene later on with Gideon who had a mallet and he was going to hit Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Who lent, who flew up to Honest John's hat? Yes. And when he started swinging the mallet, or at least pulling it out, it reminded me of the original story of Pinocchio. Mm. So Gideon personified a bit of the original Pinocchio's personality. And for our listeners who don't know the original story of Pinocchio, you want to shed a little light on that? Pinocchio was a rascal, he was not good. And the Disney eyes Pinocchio really made him this angelic boy who was nice, but 
it was the the Pinocchio in the story was just an awful awful marionette. Yeah. Yeah. But really really bad and he squashed Jiminy and he was just really really bad. So after they sing and dance down the street, they convince him to go to this Stromboli to be an actor. Right. And how great the actor's life is. So of course they're going to convince him that that's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to go to school. He needs to go be an actor. Yes. And so let's get a bit of that introduction to acting. Well, looks like a sellout. Introducing the only marionette who can sing and dance absolutely without the aids of strings. Are you Gogare? The one and only Pinocchio. <laughs> what a builder. Then maybe you'll listen to your conscience. But now I'm free. Mm-hmm. I have no strings on me. There are no strings on me, yeah. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't listen to Jiminy, mm-hmm. he's now going to be caught in a cage. So he's not free anymore. No, he's far from free. And he doesn't understand that. He has no concept. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a youthful, naive yep. little boy is what he is. Because he's really not very old when you think about it. True. So the... He becomes this actor, makes money for someone else, and then now he's trapped, and yet he had total freedom. And that's interesting about that song as you keep listening. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the girls say, I'll cut, I'd cut my strings for you. Yeah. You know, I, I would, you know, leave this life to be with you. Yeah. I want to be like you. But yeah. in retrospect, he was worse off than they were. Right. I mean, they were just dancing to the strings of Stromboli. Sure. So it's just, it's a very deep film if you really sit yeah. and, and look at it. Oh, very much so. And yeah. I mean, at least the at least the marionettes in Stromboli's show knew that they were there to be servants. Right. They were basically tied down. There was no illusion that they had any freedom of any kind. On the other hand, Pinocchio, who had freedom, could walk around and do whatever he needed to do and whatever he was supposed to do and should have was enticed by something that he, you know, grass is always greener. Right. Again, he was easily seduced and naive. And, and, and I think in some cases he had to learn that lesson. He really did have to. He wanted that, you know, woo, all these things. And again, being seduced by all this stuff and he wouldn't listen to Jiminy. And then Jiminy said, okay, well then, you know, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm off. It's interesting what Jiminy actually said. He said, gosh, they like him. Yeah. And then at the end, he said, maybe I was wrong. Hmm. The conscience thought he had it wrong. Yeah. 
second guessing himself and watching it play out and then leaving yeah instead of thinking no this i told him the right thing it's going to end up wrong i i had better rescue him he looked at that moment maybe like we all do at certain things when you know we should have done this and we did that and then someone looks and said well man someone in the as an actor right now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. oh man, they're rich and powerful. And then you watch a year or so or whatever mm-hmm. later, yeah, they were all they were messed up. Yeah, they needed some help to get out of some stuff. Yeah, there's so many really deep lessons to watch about making decisions, right decisions, wrong decisions. Where where does this path go if I take it? Where does that path go? The one of the animation things I do want to talk about is when the marionettes were spinning around, I thought that was fantastic. Mm. I've never seen anything that looked so incredibly cool because it looked like they started to spin and then they were spinning fast and then they slowed down and spun out. It was just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just... Unbelievable. Again, this this movie was, you know, much more advanced than Snow White. Yeah. I loved that. Geppetto loved Pinocchio so much mm-hmm. that he not only worried about him, but left and just started to go search for him. Oh, yeah. And it was just just really touching. And he told poor Figaro, he said, you can't eat anything until Pinocchio comes back. Mm, yeah. And yeah. poor Figaro mad. <laughs> had that mad fish that. ready to go. And... It was interesting to watch Pinocchio in that cave when Stromboli slammed and locked it. He said, this will be your home now. On the cage, yeah. The cage. Yeah. And, you know, you see that even when you ride the ride at Disneyland. Yeah, you do. You go into that cage. Yeah. You're making a point. Or you go by it anyway. No, you, you see go that inside cage. the cage. Yeah. You go inside the cage. And um, he, Pinocchio finally came to his senses. And realized that Jiminy was right. Yeah. And so he started to cry and he whistled and he called for Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. And Jiminy, it wasn't like some magical thing. Nope. Because Jiminy just said, just call for me and I'll be around. Hope Because he probably thought he would not be too far away. Sure. But because of what happened, the decisions that he made, Jiminy just said, no, nah, I, I guess I was wrong. He's a star. Mm-hmm. Why stand in his way? But Jiminy made a decision and said, no, I'm going to go wish him well. I'm, I'm going to go say goodbye. I'm yeah. going to go in That'd there. That would be the right thing to do. Right. And so he went in there and he realized what happened, yeah. that, yeah, that Jiminy was actually right. And he was caught in this cage and he had to get him out. And so we see the second appearance of the Blue Fairy. Well, but what we do see, and I thought was really cool, is Jiminy trying with all of his little mm-hmm. might, his little cricket might, to try and spring the lock. And he can't even do it because it's, you know, rusty and he doesn't have the strength and he can't he can't spring him. And he feels bad. And he pretty much says, I, I can't I can't help you. And that's when we see him look out the window and he sees the the star and he realizes that the blue fairy can help. Mm-hmm. And so Jiminy calls on her and asks her to help. Yeah. So at this point in time, both Pinocchio and Jiminy have pretty much failed in their 
initial run for you know doing the right thing. And we, when once upon a time we discussed that, I talk a lot about the hero's journey. So this is actually the hero's journey, but kind of in reverse. How many mistakes can you make mm-hmm. to get to the bottom right. and fail? And that's what happens here. But this is not the end of the story. Oh, no, no, no. So we do see the blue fairy come and she basically tests Pinocchio. Yeah. And starts asking him questions. And Pinocchio keeps lying and his nose keeps growing, growing out longer and longer and <laughs> has leaves and then a bird Well, it, bird it's, nest sprout, it's and, sprouts flower buds. Yeah, yeah. And then a bird's nest appears. The chicks are born with Jiminy sitting in the middle of the nest. And then all of a sudden he tells one big whopper and the leaves and the buds fall off and it's now fall. And all the leaves, it's just, you know, the, basically died. And so she says, okay, this is the last time I can help you. That's not altogether true. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll let her get away with this. And sure. so they let he, she got them out of the cage. Yep. And they got out of Stromboli's cart and escaped. Yeah. Well, I think part of the, part of the thing, going back to the whole morality play, is that, you know, if you... If the Blue Fairy had been able to spring him from every bad situation he was in, he would never have been able to prove that he was brave, unselfish, and truthful, right? Right. So I think that was a whole message to kids. Look, mom and dad might be able to help you out Mm -hmm. once, Mm -hmm. maybe twice, but don't push your luck. You need to – and I I don't see anything wrong with that because you don't want kids – who are, you know, so dependent that they can't do things for themselves. And I think that's what they were trying to say is, look, make your kids good and strong so that they can take care of themselves. Great lesson, because I think that is important for everybody. Everybody should know how to be able to take care of themselves. Every once in a while you need help, and it's okay to ask for help, but it should not be the go-to to ask for help. And I think that's what she was trying to tell Pinocchio. Look, you have it within you. And even, even Jiminy, you have it within you. Dig deep. And move forward, but you guys, you guys can push through this. I'll help you this time, but but you gotta you gotta you know move forward on your own next time. That's just my take, anyway. The blue fairy reminded me of uh, Obi Wan, that kind of a thing. Mm. The the Jedi ghost that would appear mm-hmm. and give aid, but anyway, right. that that right. kind of a thing. We now see. And what's interesting is there wasn't one evil character. There wasn't a witch or an evil king nope. or anything. Nope. There were evil characters kind of along the way. But it was more devious because we had characters that seemed good sure. but were actually bad. Sure. So we meet the coachman in this tavern. Right. Talking to Honest John and Gideon. And the one thing I did want to point out, too, is that Honest John and Gideon... The color of their costumes reminded me of Jiminy Cricket's parents in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. His parents had the same colored costumes. Yeah, so, they did. So that's another reason you should go back and watch season one. Yes. Of uh, Once Upon a Time. So Honest John said he would have killed for money. Hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, so th- he he was not a very good guy. Yeah, not at all. 
I I love when we talked about Snow White. There was all these little kind of gags and things along the way. I love the ear trick when he Gideon cleaned out Honest John's ear to hear what <laughs> what the coachman was and then talking about. His own other ear, yeah. so he could really yeah. trap that sound in there, which is hilarious because it's anyway. That's a very that's a very Looney Tunes mm-hmm. uh, trick. Yeah, yep. if you want to look at it that way, the coachman mentioned the crossroads meet we will meet at the crossroads and i remember that famous story that that the song crossroads uh, made there was a deal made with the devil at the crossroads right so it was just right kind of that same but here's my question the coachman mm-hmm. is the guy who drives the coach yes he works for somebody else right who did he work for? Uh, I don't know. The salt mine owner? I don't know. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing is that, again, the coachman, he's just a middleman. Right. Technically. He's kind of low on the rung. He's doing the dirty work. He's the heavy. Who's the real scary True. The, boss? Which we don't ever see. Right. But in in you know most stories, you look at that, you go, you meet a coachman, he's working for somebody else. His face was so scary. He was creepy. Oh my gosh! I'm t- part of the reason this is my le- not my favorite Disney movie is because a lot of this scared me to death when I was a child. The Coachman scared me half out of my wits. Mm-hmm. Stromboli scared yep. me quite a bit, especially because he's screaming in Italian. I mean, he's getting mad and he's getting angry and he's screaming in Italian. And of course, you know, I don't speak Italian, and as a little kid, it just it sounded scary. And then you have Monstro was the thing that just sent me over the edge. Yeah, right. Monstro really sent me over the edge when I was a kid. So Pinocchio is now home again and says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow path. I'm going to go to school. I'm not going to be an actor. And so off he goes to school again and off he meets up with, wait for it. Honest John and Gideon. Of course. And this time, it wasn't the whole acting gig. It was the, well, you look sick. And so Dr. <laughs> Honest John yeah. gives some wacky, quacky thing. Diagnosis. And it has all this double speak, and then Gideon's scribbling on some pad about yeah. what it is. And he said, you need a vacation. I've got the perfect place for you. Yep. Pleasure Island. And he said, the land of carefree boys. And what that actually sort of reminded me of was on, it was Never Never Land. Yeah. That was a place where there was no moms, there's no school, there was no anything. You could just... No rules. Right. So on the way over there, Pinocchio meets Lampwick. Yes, What a name, Lampwick. Lampwick. One of those, yeah. Yeah. He was he was creepy as a kid. I didn't trust him. He reminded me of Eddie Haskell from Leave It to Beaver. Eddie Haskell or somebody in the Bowery Boys or some kind of, yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know about the Bowery Boys, but I definitely know about Eddie Haskell. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was an Eddie Haskell type. So this Pleasure Island, apart from the good Pleasure Island at Walt Disney World or whatever it's called now, this Pleasure Island in the cartoon was just horrific. But I guess as a little boy, it would have been the coolest thing. A model home that you could destroy. Absolutely. 
and a bar and a pool table and tobacco row. Man. Absolutely. The rough so, house where you could fight with Fight kids, with anybody. Just punch somebody in the face for yeah. no reason. That's that's what boys want. There again, no rules, no parents telling you what to do. You're on your own, and you have whatever fun you can create for yourself. The model home—I'd forgotten all about that—but the model home is interesting because that was a big deal in the, especially in the '40s and '50s. But I'm sure, uh, yeah, it's been a big deal for a long time until I don't know. What do you mean? Just messing up a house? Or? Yes. Going to somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. I have friends that are my generation and actually older who would, we'd go to somebody's house and somebody's kid would be over there and they'd be running around, you know, touching things and oh, yeah. putting, you know, putting things where they're not supposed to be putting them, breaking things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I had these friends look at me and go, if I had behaved like that when I was a kid, I would have had my little behind spanked so hard I would have not been able to sit for a week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I'm sure that's part of where that came from is that that was a big deal. It was it was manners. And so again, going to being able to go to a model house and break anything you want in there purposely, that would have been a, a real treat for you know kids back then to be able to do that without getting any kind of repercussion. Then I started thinking about: Do they have a different, <laughs> different model home every week? So no, I think they probably had the you know the same one, but they probably just cleaned it up. I love the. Well, I didn't love. This is something that I found very kind of sad and interesting. Is I saw Pinocchio pick up an axe, and he was like cutting a bunch of wood stuff up and i'm thinking oh, yeah. that's what stromboli said he was going to do to you dude yeah, yeah don't you remember the irony yeah total like was, irony of it yeah yeah so then the little battle between jiminy and lampwick when it lampwick kept launching him with the uh pool balls into the hole oh yeah he's got so mad he fall down there again you know you little blah 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 so. Oh, yeah. Lampwick was a little jerk. The coachman's helper was very spooky. It sort of looked like the, what was that dark character in Night on Bald Mountain? Oh, Chernabog? With, yeah, it looked like Chernabog. I'll have to you put know, a screenshot of that. Yeah, because you know what? I didn't really pay attention, apparently, to the, I, I didn't recognize the similarity. Trust me, it did look like Chernabog. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm and sure it did. the coachman had the whip. Wow. He's going to whip all those yeah. boys turning into jackasses and all that. And I was just thinking at the, the revelation in the pool hall with Lampwick and Pinocchio and people in life. Do you learn by other people warning you? Or do you have to learn by experience, or do you learn by other people's experience? I mean, it's a it's a fair question. It is. It is. Yeah. Are you the kind of kid who, when mom said "Don't touch the stove," you have? There's three ways you can do this. You go, okay, I'm not going to touch the stove. Mom said not to, so I'm going to trust mom, and I'm not going to do it. You learned because you were just told and you you obeyed. Or were you the kind of kid who, I'm going to touch the stove because I need to know for myself. Maybe mom's yanking my chain on this. And then you touch the stove and find out, oh, yeah, I probably should listen to mom. 
Or are you the kid, and this is, in my opinion, far worse, who convinces little brother or sister to go touch the stove and then <laughs> tell you what happened right, with it? Right, Because that's just devious. The donkey transformation reminded me like a werewolf transformation. Oh, yeah. In the older films. Yeah, yeah, it kind of was like that. Or the American Werewolf in London, which was a uh, film in the 80s. But yeah, it was pretty pretty scary. Oh, yeah. And he was trying to, trying to plead with him, and then his hands turned into hoofs. And, oh, oh, dude, that was, I'm telling you, watching that as a four, mm-hmm. five or six-year-old, yeah. that's scary stuff. So Jiminy this time, not a blue fairy, but Jiminy rescued Pinocchio. And it almost seemed like if Pinocchio would have stayed, he would have turned completely into oh, yeah. a jackass. Yeah. I'm quoting the movie here, people. No, uh, yeah. So, but he, he got out just in time and Pinocchio finally listened. But when I say finally, I, I guess listened again. But here's here's why another reason why. I mean, if you think about the whole scene of how they all turn into little jackasses, it's because they all participated in those things and relished in it. Yeah. When when uh, Pinocchio was watching Lampwick and seeing how horrible things were, and he watching was watching him transform, he started putting stuff away. Right, shoved the shoved the shoved the mug away. Oh yeah, put the cigar, cigar down. Out. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, he didn't want to have anything to do with it, and he was ready to like figure out a way to get out of there. And that's when Jiminy rescued him, helped him get out of there. So we talked about the father searching for the son. Yeah. And now we have something flipped on its head. We see Pinocchio and Jiminy going home, and home is empty. Oh, yeah, and cobwebs. And, so he'd mm-hmm. been gone for a long time. So it turns out, as we find, that Geppetto actually bought a boat and yeah. moved onto this boat yeah. to go sail around and look for Pinocchio. So... You know, and it's one of those kind of dramatic tricks where somebody's looking for somebody else, and that somebody else goes to the person who's looking at's home. Maybe it's their home, and it's they're gone. Right. So they miss each other somehow. Right. Right. So. Classic. But here's my question: Why did Geppetto feel the need to travel by boat? Yeah. Where did he think that Pinocchio had gone? Maybe he was going to Pleasure Island. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that know. was the whole point. And that's a very real possibility because Pleasure Island was something that he had to get to by boat. So, yeah, maybe. It's good. But, that's logical. But Geppetto leaving the confines of his house must have been pretty scary, I would think, or or at least very different to him. Pretty much. So. And, and it's almost like I don't think he was afraid of being outside. I think he just felt more comfortable and at home and happy and secure yeah. in his own little shop his own little world that he created but yeah that was that was quite interesting and then then the note from the blue fairy right came via a dove yes it did and so i think the blue fairy kind of bent the rules a little bit she said she wouldn't help. She didn't right. help, but she kind of she provided him, right. She provided information. A little Hunger Games note coming down, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, so. think about it. Geppetto was a recluse yeah. for all intents and purposes. So the fact that nobody else would have known where he was, what happened, the Blue Fairy did help him out. And I think part of that is is that she was rewarding him for recognizing that he needed to get out of there. Yep. So now we see... 
and, and here's another little tidbit of trivia for you. That poor little donkey, Alexander, that was, that whole scene was very, very heart wrenching and scary for a little kid. Again, yep. I, I think Pinocchio just scared me more than anything else when I was a child. It's probably why I didn't appreciate it as much. Um, but the little character of Alexander was also voiced by Dickie Jones, who mm. is the voice of Pinocchio, who is also the voice of Peter Pan. Mm. Very, very busy. And unfortunately, yeah. he just passed on. Yeah. That was very sad to hear. Earlier in July this month. Yeah. 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 Very sad. All right. So the underwater animation, we kind of touched on it before. Also, the funny underwater talking. Yeah. Nobody needed a yeah. scuba suit, but hey, it's an animated cartoon. Just like Walt Disney said, you can do anything in an animated cartoon. And But yeah, it was funny. The It was almost like... Not finding Nemo. It was finding Geppetto yeah. under yeah. the water and, and all that. Yeah. But uh but yeah, Pinocchio he he was driven to find his father. It was almost like when he got home and he got that note, he said, Now I have the chance to fix all I, the things that I messed up. Maybe, but I don't even think it was that. I think it was just that his love for Geppetto was so strong that he didn't have time to think about himself and how he could redeem himself. All he could think about was, I have to save my father. He went out looking for me, and because of me, he got into trouble. I now have to go save him. I don't think he was thinking about how he could redeem himself. I mean, maybe he was, but it seemed to me very strongly that he was trying to find a way to, to save his dad. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I want to tie into what you were saying as I wrote down. Pinocchio seemed to get smarter thinking about others instead of thinking of himself. Yeah, and it's true. So if you watch, he has these great, brilliant ideas. When Geppetto, in the belly of the whale, stuck in there with the boat, when Pinocchio gets in there, he's like, you know, we got to get out of here. And Geppetto, before Pinocchio gets there, Geppetto goes, well, I think we're going to die here. And, you know, he's just <laughs> yeah. kind of confined to eating fish Resolute, and staying in yeah. the in the in the belly of the whale and that's it pretty much accepted defeat right right and you know pinocchio was kind of like in survivor when the family members get there it's like no you you come on you can do this we got to you know we got things to do and so he had this idea he goes no let's make a fire let's make a big fire yeah and the wheels started to turn and even when Pinocchio was swimming, gra- dragging Geppetto toward the the. Um, he knew that that little hole in the in the rock in the water and all that kind of stuff. And I was really, I was really impressed that he he was thinking. He, he was. was really thinking. He said, "I got to get, I got to get Geppetto and hopefully <laughs> Cleo and Figaro out of here." Yeah. Hopefully Geppetto's come along too, but he was I mean, he, look, you're right. He was thinking about somebody other than himself. Yep. So. All right. And so then we go to the end when the blue fairy appears and we're, we're skipping all the like we're not going to talk more about the underwater stuff and the whole Well, we we kind of touched on it. Yeah, a little bit, but what we didn't touch on was the fact that he kept asking all the fish Oh, right. <laughs> All the fish. Do you know where Monstro is? And they'd yeah. scatter. And that should have, I mean, it's funny how he, that should have scared him. 
And he was like, okay, somebody's got to be able to tell me where he is. Somebody has to. Um, I thought it was really funny that he tied a rock around his tail. Right. He's a living, breathing boy, but he, because he's made of wood, he apparently doesn't drown underwater. And neither does well, Jiminy Cricket. Well, wood floats now. Wood floats. Well, I understand that. And okay. so do people usually. But I thought it was interesting that he apparently didn't drown, even though he, was, he didn't have anything to breathe with. So that, that was kind of funny. And then Jiminy apparently can breathe underwater for a long time, too, because he didn't seem to need anything. And he had to put a rock in his pants yeah. because right. putting it in the hat was top-heavy. Yes. And so I thought it was kind of funny. Very inappropriate, but very funny. And little kids wouldn't get this, but adults kind of find it funny. He stuck the rock in his pants, turned it to the side, and said, no privacy. And then he goes, ooh, that's cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the- hilarious. That was just randomly thrown in there as a funny little line. It was just very funny. But anyway, and then, you know, they keep going on. And then did you notice that one of the seahorses actually looked more like a donkey? I I did not. I will have was, to look yeah, again. Yeah, it was really cute. It was a seahorse that looked like a donkey, and it was the one that Pinocchio asked, "Do you know where Monster is?" And that's when they all like freaking you know ran away. But Monstro sleeping right. on the bottom mm-hmm. looked like a giant rock. Yeah. I I don't know that sperm whales do that. Maybe they do, but it just seemed odd to me that the whale was just. And he he had a personality. And sure. whales don't have teeth. I don't think sperm whales have teeth either, by the way. Well, you got an iPad there. I do. Maybe look it up. I'm going to do that. So, But Monstro, Monstro, like I said, Monstro scared the living daylights out of me Okay. when I was we'll a just, child. We'll give you a moment. Let's double check. Oh, it is. It's the largest of the toothed whales. Okay. So they got teeth. Yeah. All right. And it's they're averaging fifty two feet in length, but some can reach as much as sixty seven feet. Monster was a bit more than that. To me, this was not a sperm whale. This was a blue whale. Yeah, frankly, this would have been blue whale size. So, this was a huge, huge animated very much whale, so. and it was it did have a personality, and it was it was frightening yeah. looking. So. Yeah. Okay, so they can dive way the heck down to like 2,600 feet below the surface. That's okay. pretty far down. And they notif- they feed on several species, notably the giant squid, but also colossal squid, octopuses, and diverse fish like rays. And boats with yeah. wood carvers. Apparently okay. boats with wood carvers on them. Yeah. All right, so once they return home, the... There's another celebration after which the Blue Fairy rewarded. Yes. The first reward came, I'm remembering it now, where Blue Fairy said because Geppetto was good and kind and all that, he gave she gave life to Pinocchio. Right. But the second, because Pinocchio did, was brave. The three Truthful things. and unselfish. Right. He became a real boy. And again, it was that whole thing of Geppetto thought he was dead. Yeah. That was and pretty funny. He said, I'm not dead. <laughs> lay back and, down. Lay back down. You're right, dead. You're right. dead. That was very, very funny. That was classically humorous. You know, I'm grieving so much. No, oh, no, no. Don't bother me, Geppetto. Don't Pinocchio. You're dead. Lay down. Yeah. Like, do you hear what you're saying, dude? 
And another, we've seen another cartoon now where celebrations are done at home dancing around. I'm yeah. not being funny. I'm just no, no, no. saying. It's but just, that's a very, that's what they that was did. the entertainment because, again, yeah. they didn't have the kind of entertainment we do now. True. And Disneyland did not exist. No. And Jiminy popped out the window. Yeah. And kind of said, thanks. Yeah. Told the Blue Fairy thanks. And then the Blue Fairy thanked him with his official conscience award or medal. Yeah. And it was made of gold. Yes. 18 carats. So not pure. Not 100% pure. Three quarters pure. So mostly pure. I have to say that when Pinocchio became a real boy, to me, he looked really strange to me. Because I'm I'm so used to the whole. Well, you're used to the puppet. 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 Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah. And then this little boy was he was darling. Yeah. He was adorable. hardly talked at all about Once Upon a Time. So you should probably throw in a few okay, little things about Once so, Upon a Time. So let's, let's talk about that. I mentioned the costumes. A little bit. We did see Monstro in Once Upon a Time. We did. In the Stranger episode. Sure did. What is it? We must abandon the sheep. Thank you. This is the only one. No, Father. I made of wood. I'll float. We can both survive. No. We're so great. I so don't remember that. Yes. That scares me. And they had uh, little Jacob Davies animated as the uh, wooden uh, Pinocchio yes. gotcha. on the raft. And yes. the difference here is we did see Geppetto in the animated feature washed up on the shore. Yeah. In Once Upon a Time, we see them both washed up on the shore, Geppetto and Pinocchio right. as the puppet. And Geppetto picks up Pinocchio and calls to the Blue Fairy and pleads with her to make him a real boy. Right. And she does on the beach in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could save you, my boy. We still can. Please, save him. Father? I'm a real boy. I'm a real boy! <laughs> Thank you. I don't know how I can ever repay you. This is all I ever wanted. So in Once Upon a Time, we see that Jiminy Cricket, who is a human to begin with, because he's following the direction of his horrible, awful parents, he ends up accidentally turning Geppetto's parents into wooden puppets. Right. And so as a result, the Blue Fairy, his remorse is so sincere, the Blue Fairy 
realizes that he needs to kind of make amends. And so he is supposed to be with Geppetto until he's fulfilled his duty to keep him safe and Mm. keep him out of harm's way. So yeah, that that's one little kind of twist, slight twist on it. It's not that he's there for Pinocchio. He's there for Geppetto. So Jiminy Cricket's wish to the blue fairy is that he would be a cricket. Yes. So it's kind of the reverse, the reverse of Pinocchio's wish (laughs) is actually Jiminy Cricket's wish. Right. And what was interesting is as he got his wish and became a cricket, he says, I'm free. Yeah. Which refers back to the whole I've Got No Strings right. song right. in the animated right. feature. Right. We have Pinocchio, who we don't know it's Pinocchio until later on in the season, but it's August Booth who shows up out of nowhere. And he is very wise. And he has these amazing, you know, this amazing ability to say things that are very just deep and, you know, and then he sprinkles in little lies. Right. Uh, talking about lemurs and things that are not anywhere near Thailand, I think he said. What was your favorite place? Nepal. Best people. They have these prayer temples carved into mountains that are overrun with lemurs. What's a lemur? Ruby, give me a sec. They're little animals. And they have these eyes that reflect light, so at night it looks like they glow. Ruby, stop flirting and get over It's kind of funny that he, as an adult, is still lying. Mm -hmm. His nose isn't growing, of course, but he is still lying. But then he turns around with these, you know, incredible words of wisdom. So he's he's a great character. I really enjoy... Uh, August Booth from Once Upon a Time. August was, to me, the Yoda for uh, the Emma character in Once Upon a Time. And I really loved the way he tried to help her get back on the hero's journey in the story. Yeah. And it was just, he's really great. But the Blue Fairy was similar to the animated feature. She, she came when she was called. Sure. She would help. Mm-hmm. But there was always, there was something extra. I, I don't want to go into because I don't want to spoil. Right. But the Blue Fairy knows a whole lot in Once Upon a Time, and it's kind of surprising to well, me. Well, so. her whole character is supposed to be the most powerful fairy. So she's kind of the head of all the fairies. So right. it makes sense that she knows more than just about anybody. But it's funny because she always wants everybody to look within themselves, which is very similar to the Blue Fairy in Pinocchio. And by that, I don't, you know, I think what I mean by look within themselves is not to rely on, you know, a handout from somebody. Is they've got the power within themselves to take care of the things they need to take care of instead of feeling defeated. It's it's character growth. She's always about promoting character growth. Although she is known to tell fibs now and then. Right. And I'm I'm trying not to give too many spoilers, so if someone yeah. has not watched Once Upon a Time, you should. And we'll leave some extra spoilers out yeah. there for you. So the the one other thing I wanted to say was Geppetto in Storybrooke, which we would call the present day, is yes. named Marco. And Marco is a 
clock repairman, a fix-it guy. He repairs things in the around the sheriff's office, but he also mm-hmm. works on clocks that aren't working. Yep. And so, but in fairy tale land, he's obviously, you know, is uh, working with Pinocchio. He's also wood carver. He's a in, wood carver. I mean, he carved the wardrobe for Emma, mm-hmm. for baby Emma. Yep. So he's very handy and very good with woodworking, and that's why there's a lot of similarities between him and the animated feature. Yep. So I don't want to go into too much depth, but I think we've hit a lot of the. Yeah, I mean, the Pinocchio storyline and the characters from Pinocchio, there are a number of the, I mean, there's at least four characters from Pinocchio, and that's kind of a lot from the the movies. Yep. There are some, obviously, that we haven't seen. We haven't seen a Stromboli character. We haven't seen the Coachman. We did Al- see... Although, the, there was a guy in the, when young August Booth, mm-hmm. slash, who would become Pinocchio later on. Yeah. When he brought Emma from the tree and took her to the foster home, yes, there was a mean character who had a toolbox. It was basically scolding Pinocchio, August, young August Booth, right. for touching the crib and getting in stuff. And he goes, are, are those your things? Do those tools belong to you? I was just trying to fix the crib. I didn't want Emma to fall out and get hurt. Don't ever touch anything in this house again. Nothing belongs to you. Yes, Mr. Roskind. And I kept thinking that guy's face looked like the coachman to me. Oh, and maybe that was their homage to that. So, yeah. 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 So Jiminy's occupation in Storybrook is he's a psychologist, yep. which fits very nicely with the whole conscience thing. Um, and he's not perfect. He didn't believe Henry at first. And uh, so he's kind of got that whole, you know, he has a second chance later on, just like Jiminy Crick. Yeah. No, there there were a lot of characters that were pulled from Pinocchio. Some story elements. So a lot of similarities and some little minor twists on, you know, plot and characters as well. I think one of the best moments in talking about the end is that when Marco was in Storybrooke and August Booth, this is later on in season one, Mm -hmm. they didn't really talk, but August knew that he was around because Mr. Gold told him that. And so he walked up to Marco's shop and he said, Align the gear on the spindle, then press the spring. Who told you that? My father. They thought you were. You must be very proud. I don't know about that. I don't think I became the man he wanted me to be. Well, you tried to make it up to him. I made him a promise. A long time ago. By the time I got around to making good on it, I think it was too late. But you kept your promise. You realize your mistake and you try to fix. That's important. If I had a son, that would be enough for me.
You look like you might be shorthanded. I get by. How would you feel about taking on an assistant? I can't pay you. That's okay. I just feel like fixing things. Come And you can kind of tell that they started to kind of reconnect as father and son, but not not reveal that. Right. I want to tell you about a great podcast. It's called the Walt Sent Me Podcast, and it's hosted by Todd and Kristen, and they review movies from the Disney and other subsidiary film companies that Disney has owned throughout their history. And it's really a fun show. Uh, one of their latest episodes, they review and discuss Tombstone. Mm. And I learned things that I did not know about that. So mm. a lot of really great research. And also they discuss Disney short little cartoons. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of different things. They talk about pins at the end that they would create about these different movies that they review. So it's a lot of fun. Todd and Kristen and the Walt Sent Me podcast, and they were good enough to send in some thoughts about Pinocchio. So here they are. Hi there, everybody. My name's Todd Liebenau, and uh, joining me is my co-host, Kristen Lopez. Say hello, Kristen. Hello, everybody. We are from the Walt Sent Me podcast, where we talk all about the world of Disney movies, from Disney animation to Pixar to Touchstone Pictures, Hollywood Pictures, all the different subsidiaries of Disney. We talk about it on our podcast, and we are thrilled that we have been asked to share a few of our thoughts on Pinocchio, the second Disney animated feature film. Uh, Kristen, start us off. What, What are some of your main big memories on Pinocchio? Pinocchio was one that I didn't really like when I was a little kid, and after watching it as an adult, I really come to enjoy it. This is a great movie if you have not seen it on the new restored DVD Blu-ray. I recommend buying it because it's the VHS was always kind of a little dark, and this new this new transfer that they put out within the last couple of years was just so bright, so beautiful, especially in the underwater scenes. There, it's just it's stunning, um, and it's just a wacky movie. I mean, it's it gets a little dark at times with its kind of cautionary tale message about doing good and, and not straying off the path of, of not righteousness, but, you know, the good the good ways you're supposed to obey your parents and all of that. It's a very kind of preachy film, but at the same time, it's got great music, great, great iconic scenes associated with it, that it's a must for, for classic Disney fans. So what's your favorite moment in Pinocchio, you think? My favorite moment is probably the ending scene when Pinocchio was, was turned into a real boy, um, but I'm also a huge fan of, of the Jimmy Cricket performance of When You Wish You Pot a Star. That's uh, yes. a quintessential Disney musical moment for me. For me, I think my favorite scene in Pinocchio is probably I've Got No Strings, and yes. part of that is because I am a puppeteer myself. I don't work with marionettes. I work more with Muppet-style puppets, but uh, you know, just 
that we've got this great puppetry sequence in there. Well, it's not really puppetry. It's animation, but it shows puppetry, and so that's a big thrill for me. Of course, I've always had a little bit of a problem with the fact that one of the villains of the film is a puppeteer. You know, yes, we're yes. not we're not all like Stromboli folks. Giving okay. giving you guys a bad name. But you know, one of my biggest memories of Pinocchio is that it is probably one of the Disney films that scared me the most as a kid. I just think that the sequence where Lampwick turns into a donkey is one of the most terrifying things that Disney ever animated. Yes, yes, that was very weird for me as a kid because I was like, okay. Um, but I was more, like, scared about the fact that they were using the word jackass, which, you know, obviously meant meant the animal, but at the same time as a little kid, it's like, oh, Disney said bad words. <laughs> yes. yes, but I mean, when I think back of those scenes in movies that are not really meant to be scary movies, but have a scene that just really scared me, that is right at the top of the list for me. That and the robot from Superman 3 scared me to death. <laughs> So, all right. Well, uh, we appreciate being able to share some quick thoughts there on Pinocchio. And um, thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, Todd thanks, and guys. Kristen, so yeah. much for that. And I'm with you. It's a scary movie when you're a kid, <laughs> man. Yeah. And I'm telling you, oh, Monstro still bothers me. I'm telling you, oh, yeah, no. I don't do well in, uh, in the, actually in the ride at Disneyland when we ride Pinocchio ride. I love that ride. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a fun kids ride, but I absolutely cannot look at the, the final scene with Monstro coming because it scares me. It terrifies me. Absolutely. Even now as an adult, it's irrational, but it's there because it's that whole, you know, it's scary. It is. I'll protect you. Okay. It'll be all right. So anyway, folks, please check out Disney. I'm sorry. Walt sent me podcast and they have a lot of really cool things coming up. Mm-hmm. So check them out. I will have a link to that podcast in the show notes. So our next animated feature that we will be reviewing is <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I love Alice in Wonderland. So be sure to dust off your VHS or if you've got the, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever handy. Yeah. And check it out. And we will be discussing that next time. So until then, everybody, this is Jeff Roney and... Colleen Roney. And we will be talking at you soon. See you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Roney's Own Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way, you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook. You can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying, talk to you soon. <laughs>